0: I read this story. I'm not sure if it's true, but you worked with Will Smith?
1: Yep. They were making a movie called Pursuit of Happiness. I got to meet Will Smith and teach him how to...
0: Welcome to the Hey, Good Game podcast, where we chat with the creators of your favorite games that you secretly play in the cracks of your day.
2: We just got done interviewing uh, Toby with uh, 18xx Games. Fascinating individual, fascinating story, um, all the way around. Super well-rounded individual. Uh, what were some of your takeaways, Nate? I think
0: that Toby is—he just chases the things that seems interesting to him. So he, you know, started out becoming a world champion at Rubik's Cube. Then he kind of went into World of Warcraft. Then he worked at Netflix and in Airbnb, a couple of high-profile companies, and then now he's building his own company. And I just it just felt like he had these moments in his life that he just really excelled and chased the thing that was in front of him and didn't get too distracted by anything else. And so that's that's something that stood out to me. How about you, Aaron?
2: He's really somebody that I, I think is an optimizer who's chasing excellence. And I think he um, locks in on something and and he really wants to be the best at that. And and I think that's very uh,
0: admirable. So we hope you like this episode and check out the interview with Toby Melvin.
2: All right, uh, today we've got Toby Mao with us. He's the uh, creator of 18xx Games, and that's a website that makes playable online iterations of the old uh, 18xx uh, board games. He's previously worked at uh, places like uh, Airbnb, Netflix, and uh, Scribe, and uh, is currently co-founder and CTO of uh, Tobiko Data Appreciate you joining us today, Toby.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: You know, maybe we can start on a different topic actually than games or, or your current startup. I think we saw online that you might be the uh, previous uh, Rubik's Cube record holder for speed solving. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So when I was a little bit younger, Rubik's Cubing was a big hobby of mine. And I, I did have the world record in 2006. It's
2: amazing. Yeah, I, I think uh, Nate and I are both uh, separately fascinated about this. Uh, and as, as uh, somebody who just really struggles to solve one, you know, I'm, I'm curious, uh, how, how, how'd you get into that?
1: I went to a nerdy summer camp in 2003 and my RA, my residential assistant, knew how to solve one and I had always kind of wanted to learn. And so I asked him to teach me, he, he, he taught me how to solve it and i got hooked ever since so i went home i taught my older brother uh, and he actually founded the world cubing association which is kind of the the leading speed cubing association that hosts all the tournaments and rankings etc and yeah that, that's kind of how it went down i even met wi- my wife through rubik's cube so it's been a big part of my life <laughs> but I don't do it. Anymore.
2: Well, that's, that's fascinating. So you went from in 2003, you, you learned and three years later, you're the world record holder. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So Rubik's cube is something that you can get pretty good at pretty fast. That's, I think one of the appeals of the puzzle, which is that you put in some time and you can see improvements really quickly. That's a very addicting feeling, especially now there's so many resources, much more than there were in my, in my time. And so people are getting really fast uh, at extraordinary, uh, time. And so, yeah, just three years and I was able to solve it in 10, 10 seconds. That's amazing. It,
2: has there been any other skills that you've found, uh, there, there's been kind of a transferability of, because you learned a speed cube, you're, you're now that much better at something else.
1: With Rubik's cube, not so much. I would say that, it's kind of niche. It's, it's a lot of muscle memory and memorizing specific algorithms specific to the Rubik's Cube. So I, I don't know if there's that much uh, transferability to other things that aren't those, these kind of puzzles.
2: Fair enough. And uh, you know, for what it's worth, uh, that, that was a question my son wanted to ask, so I, see. Okay. <laughs> I figured I'd interject that.
1: Yeah. And so like a common myth is you have to be smart to be good at Rubik's Cube. That's not true at all. You just have to practice. Have some good finger dexterity and and enjoy
0: it. Right on. That's incredible. So uh, I I read this story. I'm not sure if it's true, but you worked with Will Smith. Yep. Could you could you tell that story?
1: So back in I think 2006 or somewhere around then, they were making a movie called Pursuit of Happiness. It's about a, a guy uh, named Chris Gardner, and he comes homeless and has some struggles, but then he becomes a very successful stockbroker. It's a true story. And I've actually met Chris Gardner, oh. but they wanted the Rubik's cube in one of the scenes to kind of show that Chris Gardner, the character Will Smith is playing is, is really smart. And they contacted some Rubik's cube clubs. I guess uh, they contacted the Caltech Rubik's cube club club, which my brother was the head of. Uh, and the movie was being shot in San Francisco and since my brother was in college and I was a high school student and available, uh, they sent me over there and he didn't want a double, like a hand double, he wanted to learn it himself. And so I went over there a couple of times, taught him, I was on set uh, to make sure he did everything right. I was actually in the taxi cab behind him uh, in the shooting in case anything went wrong, nothing went wrong. Uh, so yeah, I got to meet Will Smith and teach him how to do the Rubik's Cube.
0: That's, that's so hilarious. So did he, uh, I'm just kind of curious, like, did he take a long time to kind of learn the fundamentals or is this something that you uh, can teach pretty quickly?
1: <laughs> it was a long time ago. Yeah. I remember he was relatively smart and picked it up yeah. quickly. And so I would say he, he did well.
0: That's fascinating. So I, I'm, I'm, you know, want to maybe change gears slightly, but what is it about developing 18xx? I'm kind of curious, like you're, history with developing games, Um, it sounded like you maybe developed a a few prior games um, to 18xx. I'm I'm curious about just that process and maybe just your love for games. Or do you have a favorite game uh, that you love to play? So
1: I love board games. Uh, It's probably one of my main hobbies. My wife and I play board games a lot. I have a board game group every Tuesday. I love all types of games. If you had to ask me like what my favorite game is, maybe it's Rolling Stock. Uh so why and yes, I have made a couple different websites online that where you can play these kind of games. Board games, right? So there's two reasons, right? One, I like board games, and two, I like programming. Programming is my other big hobby. And so I think maybe the first game I made was uh Mystery.io. There's a board game called Sherlock's Home Consulting Detective. It's a very old game and basically it's kind of like a a puzzle-solving mystery game. Basically, you read a story, and then you can go to different locations, right? Mm-hmm. And then each location will have a sub-story, which will lead you to different areas, and you can get clues and try to solve the mystery. And so I thought, oh, well, why don't I create a platform where people can submit their own stories and make their own Sherlock Holmes-style adventure games? I made that, I launched that. It was called Mystery.io, and it turns out that writing stories is really hard and no one's going to do that for you. Uh, so after I don't know, a couple of years or so, I shut down that website. I made code games online. I was probably the first person to ever do that, but I'm a, I, I'm a big believer in, in, in rights and stuff like that. And so I asked Vladish Fadl the creative code names, if I could publish it. And he said, no, because they were working on their own version, which didn't come out for like, I don't know, five, 10 years. It it was a long time because I made, I think code getting names online in 2014, but as a consolation for saying no to me, he actually played on my website with, uh, with my wife. So it was him and his wife with me and my wife. And so it was really fun getting to play code names with the designer. Uh, and then I, after that, I probably, I think I made rollingstock.net, which is so uh, really hardcore economic card game made that, uh, that was mildly successful. And then, uh, during COVID I decided to make 18xx.games and now 18xx.games has rolling stock in it. And so I took down rollingstock.net. Cool. That's,
2: uh, that's really interesting that, uh, you know, kudos to you on, on taking the rights on these games so seriously, I, I think, uh it's, it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine of just, uh, I see a lot of game developers kind of take a a lot of liberties in in that regard online. Was it, was it hard on rolling stock or 18xx games to get buy-in from the different board game creators or or were they pretty supportive from the the jumpstart?
1: Yeah. Super supportive, uh, rolling, you know, rolling stock and 18xx are in a very niche genre of board games. So there's like not much money in it. And the people who make these games are very passionate. And so the designer of Rolling Stock in particular is a programmer and he believes in open source. And I think his game is actually open source, like the rules and all that stuff. And he has a print and play version. And so he was very excited that someone out there, right, wanted to make his game online. For 18xx.games, there's... Many, many different titles and each one of those has a different designer. And so for every single game, I ask and get written permission for every title. And I would say I've only really been denied by maybe one designer. There's one particular 18xx designer. I won't name this particular person, but he, he's big, really big into trademarks and uh, he likes to own things and, and doesn't want his games online unless you pay him. Uh, and so basically everyone else's game is on the website.
2: (laughs) All right, everyone quick break attention game creators. Have you ever thought about selling your game at Hey, good game. We're looking to acquire and steward some of the most popular and beloved games on the internet. Even if you're just curious, we offer a fast process to getting you an offer. Just provide some basic analytics and revenue details. And we'll quickly get back to you. If you move forward with us, we usually close within 14 days visit hey.gg and see how we can take your game to the next level together. And now back to the show.
0: Well, I've noticed a the theme with your games, you know, 18xx, like you said, is open sourced. Do you ever think about uh, monetizing games in general? Or how, what's your philosophy on developing games and, and making money on that?
1: So I, I think there's nothing wrong with it, per se. But I don't think that it's really worth the hassle, given the Uh, the market size of uh, 18xx. And so for me, it's more important to create a platform that allows new people to discover the genre uh, and to grow the hobby. That's really the most important thing to me about the website. And putting a paywall in front of that or trying to make money would detract from that. And two, uh, it would also greatly complicate the system, which I don't have time for. And so uh, there's not much ROI from my perspective of, of, of monetizing it. Although I have no problems monetizing games.
2: And I, I think I've heard that you know maybe you you greatly prefer playing these uh, board games uh, in in person as opposed to online. Um, I, I'm curious. Uh, given that, did you think maybe that was going to be different ahead of time, and and you created the game, and then you found it was still. Way more compelling online, or or was there some other driving force for you to bring it online?
1: So as I said, right, I like playing board games and I like programming, and so naturally making board game websites online is really fun for me. But in terms of playing the board games, right, I really like the tactile feel of them. I like the social experience around being people, and I also like that it's limited in time, right? If you have a board game night, a couple hours, or maybe even the whole day, you're done. But when you're playing online, especially asynchronous, you have the possibility of thinking about the game all day, micro-optimizing every single move, and it consumes you. And so, for example, when I was playing rolling stock online, man, I would think like six moves ahead. And then afterwards, I would play like an incredible turn of, you know, sequence of events. Like I predicted every single possible branch that could have happened, right? And then I blew you know, it was, it was such an incredible play. And I was like, Oh man, I spent like three days thinking about that. That was a waste of time. And so never again, you know, I just, I just don't play online (laughs) unless it's live.
2: Yeah. Reminds me a little bit of, uh, so one of of my first uh, online games that I I wrote was uh, kind of a clone of the risk board game Uh, used a a different name and, and slightly different board configuration for rights reasons. But you know there was an option when you would set it up that you could decide like your maximum turn limit for other players and this was like in the early days of Facebook games and mm. uh even people that would set up a game that maybe had like a 24 hour turn limit or whatever everybody else would be upset like why aren't you taking your turn right away and so like it it may be async in theory but I think everybody has different expectations have you found that in 18xx uh, games community at all? Is there any kind of mismatched expectations on how long people are, are taking on on their turns? Or does the community kind of got on board with some norms there?
1: Yeah, there, there are norms. People put descriptions and there's even like a button that says like live game and expected. And so I, I think people have certain norms um and so if you want to play live you you make it clear and you make that your expectations and if you're okay with async you also say like okay three moves a day or something like that That's helpful. and actually so these days for online play i actually have been playing a board game online recently and so i've been playing a lot of mahjong uh richie mahjong online and so for that that's nice because it only takes about 20 minutes per game and you have about five seconds plus 20 seconds overall to play so it's pretty fast so
0: yeah I can sympathize cool. with the the idea of that games are taking up too much time i'm I'm really addicted to blitz chess right now, and it's it's absolutely annoying <laughs> <that> I'm thinking <laughs> about <it. Yeah. laughs> or I'm getting beat, and I have to play again to, to win <laughs> right so you know I'm kind of curious like maybe I'd love to know a little bit of the backstory around 18 xx like what what was it about it that inspired you to create that game specifically?
1: So I started playing 18xx, maybe 2014, 2015. Uh, back then, it was, it was pretty niche. And so my friend, who I met through board gaming, said, oh, man, I got this hardcore train economic game. You know, this is a print-and-play copy. I you know, something about it, the mystique of it really attracted me. And I played it. There's, like, a lot of math, calculation. And it was a really complex, heavy game. And so that kind of attracted me, kind of, Dove in the deep end, got like 1830, which is like the classic, uh, and started trying to collect the various games. And so really dove into 18xx around that time period. And one thing that really stood out to me about the game is that even though it's such an enjoyable game, it was very niche, right? And it's niche for a couple of reasons. One, back then, and even now, they're, they're hard to find, right? I mean, you can find some titles now, but a lot of them go out of print. And it's just like, it's never be- going to become Pandemic, right? Pandemic, you can buy a Target and and your grandmother's played Pandemic. Uh, 18xx, you know, a lot of the titles are things that you have to print out and then cut it out yourself. Or if you buy it, it's, it's a used secondhand copy uh, because it's out of print and it's going to be like $200. And so I wanted to kind of have a way for people to get introduced to these games despite the high barrier to entry, right? And so I wanted it to be uh, very easy for people to pick up, right? One of the things about 18xx is that they're kind of complicated games, right? If you look at the rule books, they're like tax documents. And so with the website, it does full rules enforcement. And so if you kind of know the general flow of the game, you don't have to know all the details. And you can kind of learn through playing because the system will enforce all the rules for you. That was kind of some of my motivation to making the website.
2: So from a, a development perspective, I'm I'm curious. I've got a, a development background. I don't get to do as much of it today, but is it the same engine that's powering all the games and, and you've got more just like a some kind of a rules document that defines how each game is played and you're just iterating on the engine itself? or Or do you find yourself having to a lot of specific code for each game
1: yeah so 18xx if you look at the history of it it's kind of like a family tree right so the first one started it was 1829 18xx was created by francis tresham he's a uk or something designer he made other games i think he made like civilization or something like that anyways he made 1829 then he made 1830 and then other people came in and made other games and so these other games are usually based off of one of those games, and they have different forks and branches, right? And so to the code base of 18xx is similar. 18xx.game is similar. You have the base class, and the first game we implemented was 1889, and 1889 is kind of a clone of 1830. And so any game that is similar to 1889 only needs a couple of toggles and configurations to exist, right? Configuration changes with the maps, etc. You have your game. But then you have games like 1817 or 1860, and they're they're very different, right? You could say maybe they take some more inspiration from the 1829 branch or whatever. It doesn't matter. They're very different. And so those games are going to have completely different code. And then you have games like Rolling Stock, which people may argue isn't even 18xx, right? There's like no map. And so you have even more custom stuff. And so, yeah, there is like a core engine and there's like core components. Like there's a company... Class, corporation class, a tile class, etc. But then there's it's also made in a way such that you can make these custom overrides to do anything you need to do.
2: Outside of board games, you mentioned Mahjong game that you're playing. But what's your favorite other game to play right now?
1: I don't actually play any computer games, although I'm playing. Um, I play DDR. You know, Dance Dance Revolution. So I play a very specific variant of Dance Dance Revolution. I play a variant called Stamina. And so Stamina DDR is basically being very efficient with your movements. Like basically kind of, instead of stomping, right? And dancing, you slide your feet around. You even use like uh, a little bit of furniture polished so that you have less friction. And, you know, you, with this efficient form, you're able to do really hard songs you normally wouldn't do. And it's actually a really good workout. You get a lot of, even though like you're just wiggling your feet, you, you start breathing really heavily and it's sweating a lot. So that's kind of the other video game I've been playing these days.
0: That's wild. <laughs> so are you, are, are you competitive when you're playing that against yourself? Like, I mean, do you, are you trying to get a high score or is it really just for the joy of it?
1: I, I do have the personality where I like to progress and get better at things. So I am trying to get better, but I, I don't play enough. I do some other things like I've been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu a lot. I have or a lot of work. And so my progress with that is not as good. And so mainly I just play stamina to, to get some cardio in. Okie dokie, a quick break.
2: Are you a fan of games that challenge your mind and sharpen your skills? Dive into the world of Hey Good Game where brainy fun meets creativity. Check out Mathler. You can think of it as Wordle, but with numbers. Solve daily puzzle games using math operations to find the correct answer. Then explore some Pleat, a math game designed with the help of ChatGPT. This game borrows concepts from Hitori, offering a unique challenge for puzzle enthusiasts. You can find those games and others at hey.gg. And now, back to the show. That's great.
0: If you were to... Tell someone who's never played before or someone who's just basically speaking about myself, uh, explain the game to me. What game should I play first? And could you just kind of go over some of the basic rules or concepts about the game?
1: So, 18xx is a series or genre of economic train board games. And in these games, you're basically doing auctions, right? Getting and buying and selling shares of different corporations. Right, And so one of the key design points of these games is something called shared incentives, right? So in these games, you don't ever own a corporation. You own shares in them. So on your turn, you can buy and sell shares. And so, for example, you may own 40% of the corporation and I may own 30%. And so you are the president because you own the majority share. And that means you get to make the decisions. But anytime the corporation pays out, I also get paid, but a little bit less. Uh, and so in these games, you alternate between kind of these financial decisions, right? Buying and selling shares. And then also the operations part where you actually lay out track and the track basically allows you to earn income. So the most similar game, I guess, for people who don't play board games at all would probably be like Monopoly because Monopoly is financial in that there's like trading, there's auctions, et cetera. Obviously it's, it's a very far leap, but I, I'd say something like monopoly, but much more hardcore and no dice.
0: <laughs> I like that because monopoly is just, it's kind of a train wreck of a game. In my mind, it's just, it's just too many ways to cheap, but you're saying, uh, if I were, if I were to pick up 18xx, which, which year should I go and play?
1: Ah, well, whatever you can get your hands on, right. Okay. If you have a choice, I, I think my favorite Starter games called Shikoku eighteen eighty nine. Okay, it was just a recent Kickstarter out, and I think you can buy this one at various stores. So that's that's one of my favorites to
0: start out with. Perfect, thank you.
2: Well, as I understand it, you were at some really high profile startups, and even better than startups, uh, graduated perhaps. But you've now uh, got your own startup uh, with your brother. Tell us a little bit more about what you're up to there.
1: So my brother. And I and another co-founder started Tobico Data last year in September, and we are in the data infrastructure space. So basically, we make a product, an open source technology called SQL Mesh. And it is a tool, a framework that allows people who work with data, like data scientists and data analysts, it allows them to be more productive and to be able to make changes, complicated changes, easily, safely, and efficiently. So we've uh, been working hard uh, and seeing some good traction. And yeah, it's been a really exciting year for us.
0: What I like is that you've, you started out kind of building games. You've, you've obviously worked at some high profile places. You're an entrepreneur now, and I'm kind of curious, we've seen this in other people. The the co-founder of Airtable has a game called Minesweeper. And he built that a long time ago. Really? Yeah, he has a has a, a web game.
1: But not the original. Not the
0: original. Not,
2: not the original, but yeah. But ha- one, one of the most successful Minesweeper websites online happens to be from one of the co-founders of Airtable.
0: And I'm curious, do you find any sort of commonality or any anything that inspired sort of games as entrepreneurship? And would you have any advice for young developers or designers who want to build games? I'm kind of curious to your your take on that.
1: I can't speak for others, but I would say that the secret to my success is that I enjoy programming. It is my hobby, and so at all of these companies I've worked at, I've really excelled and kind of climbed through the ranks because I, I work a lot. And but when I work, it's it's not work to me. Like I I'll I work all night, and it's fun because I'm having so much fun programming. The reason why these board gaming websites got made is probably because I got bored at work and I needed to program. And so that's why it happened, right? But at the end of the day, I was able to make these websites because I, I enjoy programming. And so if you enjoy programming, it's going to be really easy because it's it's just going to be fun for you. Uh, but that's not necessarily something that anybody can have. Right. You you have to like it.
2: Love that. There's gotta be a theme about people getting bored at work and <laughs> creating a, a game website on on the side. I've uh, been there once, done that. I'm not calling out Darmesh, but uh, you know, certainly got one of the most uh, successful spin-offs of uh Wordle right now. He's doing pretty well as uh CTO at HubSpot. So yeah, it's super interesting.
0: It almost sounds like some of the games you've worked on you almost, you haven't really thought about Validating an idea or some of the typical steps you might go through in, in a product, but I'm I'm curious, like if you were building a new game today, what might that be, and how would you validate if you did go through that process?
1: Uh, I already know what I would build, but I just don't have time for it. There's a there's a board game called Sidereal Confluence. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. No, no. it's uh it's a really crazy economic party game. You would say so basically. There's these nine different alien races all with different superpowers and it's like kind of real time and you're basically haggling and trying to trade goods real time because you there's this complex system of converters and then basically if you trade with people, it's going to be more efficient and you're going to get more money. And what's interesting, first of all, I love the game. It's it's a fantastic game, which I don't get to play enough. But I also think that it would be interesting programming challenge because it's real time, right? There's like a lot of communication and stuff like that. And so... I think that it would be an interesting challenge to build an online version of that. Sadly, two things are preventing me from doing it. One, like a, like a sucker, I asked for permission and, and they said no. And then two, I don't have time.
0: <laughs> what do your days look like? It sounds like you're not putting a lot of time into 18xx. So there's a huge community around that. Um, and people are building their own games. Right. But if you are, I'd, l- I'd love to hear about it. But are, well, how does your, what does your day look like? Is it mostly at At your startup?
1: Yeah. So I I also have twins. I have two twin boys. They're four years old now. So they take up a lot of time. But most of my day revolves around uh, working. I try to uh, exercise during lunch, right? I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But yeah, it's mostly working. And then at night, sometimes I, I play board games. I play board games every Tuesday. And with your family or friends? Yeah, I have a board game group. Uh, and we play every Tuesday. We play mostly party games on Tuesdays because it's like 7 to 10, so we don't have that much time. 18xx, I don't contribute to that much anymore. I'm still there. I still do some code reviews, et cetera. But I've got other things to do now. I've got other open source projects to maintain. 18xx.games has a pretty big community of developers, like really solid people. In fact, 18xx.games is how I met one of my um, teammates. Right, I hired one of our core 18xx devs into my my new company uh because I enjoyed working with them so much but yeah 18xx.games doesn't really need me anymore which is great right i've created something that the community can enjoy and the community is continuing to uh manage and improve
0: that's great i i think i saw that the only real way that you're even um asking for money in any way is is a patreon is that is that right yeah yeah
1: yeah i mean People at the beginning were like, "Oh, how can we donate?" I was like, "Okay, whatever, I'll just slap this link on." and so yeah, it, it definitely you know pays for the infrastructure. I'm just running on a single uh, instance on DigitalOcean, and so my biggest costs actually are are the email notifications, so there there's quite a lot of emails that I have I send like maybe fifty to a hundred thousand emails a month. But that only takes like costs like fifty dollars a month or so. So
0: I'm just kind of curious, you know what what motivates you in life? Do you have any long term goals? Obviously, the startup is probably your your priority, but I'm curious, like what what motivates you?
1: I'm motivated by progression. I'm motivated by having fun. I think that's kind of been the pattern that I've had throughout my entire life. Right? I kind of find something, uh, and then I try to become the best at it. For example, when I was a kid. There was a Rubik's cube later when I became a teenager that became world of Warcraft. (laughs) Right. And then as an adult, I I got into programming. And so, you know, I like to latch on to different things and then try to become better and better at it. And then the better I get at something, the more fun it becomes. I think that's kind of just what makes me tick.
0: I love that. Are there any books or people that inspire you, whether it's in programming or, or otherwise?
1: So I don't really read that much. I, I do read some technical literature, but I don't really like read for fun. Well, I guess that is fun for me, but <laughs> in terms of people who inspire me, there was a guy, uh, at script, one of my previous companies that started a website called itch.io. Have you heard of that? Oh, itch.io is like an indie game version of steam. And this guy, you know, he's incredibly hardcore. He's an amazing programmer. And he built itch.io from the ground up and he had the balls to, to quit script and do itch full-time, right? And so I really admired him. And he might actually be an interesting person for you to talk to, right? He he has created this huge indie gaming community. Yeah, he inspires me.
0: That's great. And and yes, I will.
1: And so for the longest time, I've wanted to do my own thing, right? I kind of worked at these big companies and, and whatever, and I, I really wanted to take the leap and build my own. And so I finally, finally was able to do that last year.
0: That's incredible. Yeah, I, w- I will check that out. And, and thanks for that. Yeah, he's
1: an interesting guy.
0: Toby, it was so great to have you on our podcast. We loved hearing everything about what's happening with 18xx. And, um, you know, it's it's inspiring just to kind of hear all of the stages that you've gone through in your life. And so, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh Keep playing 18xx and maybe you'll get deeper into the rabbit hole.
0: (laughs) Is there any place that you want people to reach out or find you or, um, outside of 18xx.games?
1: Uh, I'm on the 18xx Slack, so you can reach out there if you're in the data space and you're looking for a uh, new SQL transformation tool, or for example, if you're using dbt and it's, it could be better for you check out SQL mesh and you can, uh, join our Slack channel at tobicodata.com slash slack. Great,
0: thanks. Well, that's the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Toby.